what's going on everybody this is black men sundays i'm your host Corey sylvester murray and we're talking about generational wealth we're talking about finance and we're talking about business it's a black man And before we introduce today's guest, my brother Eric from Hunts, Vegas, Alabama. I think we've had over like 20 guests from Huntsville come on the show, or at least from Alabama, brother. So how you doing, brother? Happy New Year. Welcome back. Hey, Happy New Year, and Happy New Year to everyone that's out there. It's great to be back. And we get looking forward for, you know, some new things to go off in 2024. Well, let's go on and jump right in, man. It's time for that okay. Black Men Sunday Spotlight. Who do you have for us? Hey, thanks for that, Corey. A spotlight today is no other than this new brother that I found to run across. His name is Elbert Cox. Now, let me tell you what's the spectacular thing about Mr. Cox. Now, Elbert Frank Cox, he was born in Ellisville, Indiana, on December 19, I'm sorry, 1895. Now, he earned his bachelor's degree from the University of Indiana in 1917 with a major in mathematics. Now, after serving in the United States Army of France during World War I, he returned to pursue a career in teaching. Now, before enrolling in the graduate mathematical program at Cornell University in September 1922, he taught mathematics in the public schools in Henderson, Kentucky, and later at Shaw University at Raleigh, North Carolina. Now, the thing about what's special about him, 1925, he was awarded the Doctor of Philosophy degree in mathematics from Cornell. So Mr. Elbert Frank Cox is the first known black person to receive his PhD in mathematics in the United States. That's my spotlight for today. Mr. Elbert Cox, back to you. All right, thank you, Eric, for that spotlight. This week we have Chris Lusant. His brother's from New York City. Been in Florida for 15 years. But let's get into why this brother's here, right? So, you know, we talk about generational wealth. We talk about finance and business. But what happens at 3 in the morning? That alarm goes off. Do you turn it off and go look? Do you get your dog out? Because I have a pit bull, so I might, I might be cute and go down there with my pit bull. But a lot of cats might close their double bedroom doors and wait for the cops to come. What do we do? Let me run down this brother's resume for y'all. This brother's a firearm, tactic, and communications brother. He's an expert, a law enforcement firearm instructor. This brother has over 10 years' experience in high-risk security operations, management, government contracting, fugitive extraditions. So, you know, this Black Men's Sundays, we're trying to protect our wealth. This brother will give us the understanding of the importance of why we need firearms training and safety in our community. Chris Lusant, welcome to Black Men Sundays, brother. How you doing? I'm doing good, brother. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. Definitely. One thing that I want to add, you're also a news contributor. So yes, sir. let's jump right in because I feel like it's Black Men Sundays. We're talking about generational wealth, finance, and business. A lot of brothers are homeowners now, living good. But like I said, three in the morning, that alarm goes off. What do you do? Exactly. Let's go. So essentially, the reality is a lot of people in our community, a lot of the men in our community don't have the necessary skills 
or the training to be able to effectively protect their families. They think they do, but they don't. Um, so what do you do when that alarm goes off? They're just going to wing it. They don't have the effective firearms training, the tactics training, basic CQB training to understand the, the, the schematics of their home and how to maximize their protection um, to be able to dominate in a violent encounter, not including the laws of deadly force, right? You know, that's why we see some of the things that we see. Definitely, man. And, um, you know, this Black Men's Sundays, generational wealth. This brother has his own private gun range, owns the land. This brother's family has rental property. So when we talking about generational wealth, let's talk about that a little bit, man. You own a private gun range. How did that happen? So it was a property that we acquired and it wasn't, when the property was acquired, it wasn't for that purpose. It just happened to turn into that. Uh, one of the renters, he started, you know, he started up the, he started shooting there and having friends coming over. And then once he was gone, you know, because uh, I would come over there to shoot as well. And then um, it kind of just morphed, slowly morphed into me turning it into a private range and utilizing it as my training facility. Um, so, yeah, as, as I progressed through my training, uh, taking classes, I, I just said, you know what? Yeah, man, I, got, I actually have the perfect spot and I didn't even know that. So just to clarify, you know, if I wanted to come by and learn some things, I can utilize that range? Definitely. Um, okay. so the range, it's a private range. Uh, and the way I have it structured is anyone that's coming in for training, they'll be able to come on, come out and train. And what I'm actually doing this, this, this year is I'm opening it up to select instructors who I feel are very well trained and qualified, um, who can effectively teach. Cause I'm not just going to have anyone teaching any, anything out there. I want people who are teaching effective and, um, real, real life tactics and techniques to our community. In Florida, I noticed, the. Uh... Gun laws have eased up some. I remember when, you know, you wanted to go buy a gun, you had to jump through some hurdles. Now I can go get a gun. And it seems like in a day or two, I'm bringing it home. All I have to do is cut the check and I'm good. So let's talk about these new gun laws. So effective July 1st, right, of that just passed, Florida went permitless carry, right? We are not um, constitutional carry. We are permitless carry. There's a difference between the two. So what Florida has done is they've removed the mandatory training that was in place uh, in order for you to get a concealed weapons license. So that mandatory training to get the concealed weapons license has been removed. And effectively, anyone that's a qualified individual under the parameters set by law can just carry. That's the main thing that they did. They removed that training portion. And now, as long as you're a qualified individual, you can carry on you in a concealed manner without any training. Now, let's talk about the misconceptions because when i first saw the law but the way i misinterpreted it was okay as long as i had the money they're not background checking and i can go get a gun i could go in the store and get a gun right now three hundred dollars boom i'm out and i'm good is that true or no that's false right so background checks are they didn't remove that right the only thing they removed was the training the mandatory training process where you have to train Go, go take a concealed class, submit an application, get approved, get the concealed license in the mail within 60 to 90 days, and then you can carry on you, then you can carry concealed. They removed all of that, and all you have to do is just be a qualified person, be of age, not be a felon, um, not be uh, dishonorable discharge from the military, not have been mentally declared unstable, um, and a couple of other factors, right? Not have been convicted of domestic violence. You still have to go through the background check when you go to purchase a firearm through an FFL per federal and state law. So you still have to do that process. Now, the only thing is 
with the concealed weapons license, you get to leave with your gun the same day, right? Without a concealed weapons license, you have to wait the minimum of three business days for the background check to return. Great information. Yeah, because I hear brothers all the time. Oh, man, I can just go to the store. Right. That's the biggest <laughs> misconception we have. That That's the main one that, oh, I don't need to do this. I need, No, you still have to do that. Um, you still have to do the background check when you fill out the application at the dealership, filling out that ATF form. You're putting in all that information. The FFL is going to run the background check. Now, the thing is, without a concealed weapons license, you'll have to come back in three or four business days with a concealed weapons license. You can come you can leave within 20, 30 minutes or an hour. It just depends on how long it takes for the background to come back. But essentially, you can leave the same day with with, your, with that new firearm. We talk about spending money on Black Men's Sundays, investments. Why is a black man, homeowner, family man, brothers have children, why should I invest in gun training? Like, I feel like, you know, like, why should I invest in that? The main reason would be for you and your family, right? For you to have the effective skills to be able to protect your family. You know, yes, we are providers and protectors, but how can you really be a protector when you don't have the necessary skills in firearms training and or own a firearm? So when those two guys kick in your door at 3 a.m., how do you how do you plan to protect your family on luck or on skills that you've invested your time and your money in? There's a difference between the two. And people have to be real with themselves. If you haven't done if you haven't invested the time and the money into the training, then you cannot effectively protect your family. Yeah. Let's talk about that training a little bit, because uh, in our pre-interview, you said uh, you were the only brother in the firearms class. Yeah, for, for me, how I got into becoming a firearms instructor for about seven, eight years, every class that I took, I was the only black person in that class. In addition to that, I never had a black instructor. So the law enforcement classes that I took, all the advanced tactical classes I took, it was never, it was never by a black instructor. My first black instructor that I trained with was two years ago. So that was one of the contributing factors to how I got into what, what I'm doing now. How do we get more black men involved in firearms classes? Because I feel like as black men, you know, we already have a stigma. I, I tell people this podcast is black men Sundays. It's already a negative stigma just off that name. But then you right. hear black man in a gun, but even taking it a step further, a lot of brothers, especially where I'm from, you know, you're from rough neighborhoods. You see guns, you hear your mom never get a gun. It's not safe. You're going to shoot your eye out. Just you don't do that. Just you're fine without it. Just use your education and get ahead. Like, how do we get involved, though? It starts with breaking that stereotype. And, and it is within our community. Like, right. Uh, black mothers, black families. No, you're black. You don't need to own a gun uh, because the X, Y, Z is going to happen to you. But the reality is when you look at other races, they're they're indoctrinated or trained or introduced to firearms at a very young age, four or five years old, they're building that respect for firearms. And they know that that's a valuable tool to be a provider and protector, right? So they take their second amendment right very seriously. And I think we have to start doing that as well. And some of that is because of trauma, but for me, I feel like the bigger part of it is because of the politics aspect. When you look at it, the black community versus the white community. Um, but Again, to be an effective protector, you have to have the skill set. You have to invest in, and you have to have that tool. That tool is a a tool for when stuff hits the fan that you are you are prepared. 
Mm, great information, man. Let's let's go in your uh, profile a little bit. Ten years experience, more than high risk security operations management, government contracting, fugitive extraditions. Let's talk about that. How did you how did you get involved with that? Um, while I was training, uh, I was doing some high risk security stuff. Uh, two of the guys that I know that are mentors, brothers, um, uh, veterans that they were in, they were working for a, a government company. And then um, they just saw how I worked. And because we were in the same network, we were, we were cool, we were brothers, they, you know, I got recruited. And then I started, I slowly made my transition into, into doing that. And, um, you know, that was great experience, you know, traveling the world, um, high stress, you know, worked a lot, but got to learn a lot as well. Definitely. And one thing that you uh, brought up when we talk about firearm expertise, you know, I, we, we know SWAT, but special ops we know about those guys but is it fair to say that if you're a law enforcement officer that you're properly trained to handle your gun for the most part yes they get the basics right now depending on your agency or your position like SWAT is usually the best of the best trained right um but individual like regular patrol guys uh as far as the effective training that they need and the consistency it's usually not there um you know it's a budget and time um, constraint issue that agencies have. So they pretty much do for the most part, what is what are they required? So usually it's one recall a year. Um, some states require two um, mandatory recalls. So those are the two days that they're only required to be out on the range and training. But if you're carrying a gun for a profession, you should be consistently training. So that's where you know, people like me and other instructors were trying to get on the law enforcement side to get these officers to understand that they have to invest in their skill set, um, not rely on the agency, because the agency, for the most part, is only going to give you, you know, what they can afford and what is required uh, by law. For brothers that say, you know, I just don't believe in guns. I'd rather it not be in my house. Then, then they don't understand the reality of life. At the end of the day, people are doing home invasions, carjackings, violent crimes are, go are, are going on in our country. So if you if you believe that you don't need a firearm, then you're going to be one of those that when 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 and if something does happen, you're going to really wish you had a firearm because it's very common. And at any given time, you can be subject, you can be victimized. Um, and part of being a provider and protector is you need to plan for these types of things. How do you plan by that? You train, you invest in that. You don't, you, you be proactive, not reactive. You don't wait till, all right, I'm a victim. I got carjacked. And if you survive that carjacking, now you want to pick up a firearm. Now you want to do this after you and your family have been victimized versus start planting that seed now, just like we have car insurance on our cars, right? We get that insurance before the accident. Why are we not doing that with firearms? I talked about why we should invest in gun training, but talk about, let's talk about from a financial point of view, like how much money would that cost? It, it kind of depends. You know, I tell people, so when people call me and ask me that, I say, well, how much is, is your family worth? How much is your family worth to you? You know, um, then that'll determine how serious you are and how much you're willing to, to put into your training. Um, but essentially, you know, I tell people, you know what, if you can manage to take two or three classes a year, Anywhere from, depending on the type of instructor you're dealing with, it could be anywhere from $200 up to maybe $600, $700 for these advanced tactical classes. But you're getting, you know, advanced information and tactics to be able to protect yourself and your loved ones on a on an advanced level. Uh, so for me, you know, 
I usually, even as an instructor, I spend about 15 to 20 grand a year just on training. That's pretty much my minimum um, because of what I do and because of the importance of I want to be able to dominate a violent counter if I'm subjected to it. Why is it so important for Black men to be armed and trained? I think when we look at the history of our country, right, let's just go back to the the dark history of our country, right? We've always had to fight for things, right? Um, our people, there's the, the history of this country, as far as with victimizing us as Black people and our, our communities, right, oppressing us. One of the main reasons why it it went on for so so long was because our people didn't take up, didn't didn't invest or take arms, right? Had they done that collectively, now you're making that playing field with your oppressor even, right? Because now they they're armed, now I'm armed. But just fast forward to presently, currently in our our, our society, because it's a tool to be able to protect yourself. Me personally, my experiences, I've been involved in a few deadly force encounters. So I'm always an advocate for that because I deal with people who've been victimized um, as a deadly force expert. I work on cases. I see stuff. I've seen people who are killed. Um, and, and it's just like, you know what? Had they had a tool, had they had a firearm, which is a force multiplier, this person had a greater chance of surviving. And I think when you look at it, you only have one life. And I'm not, I'm not going to allow anyone to just take my life away without putting up a fight. And it's also exercising our Second Amendment. Uh, right. When you look at the wave right now, Black women have been the number one um, gun buyer in this country for the last three years. Not Black men, but Black women. And there's a reason for that. Black women are realizing that they are no longer relying on Black men to be their protectors. They're going out, they're investing in training, they're buying firearms. And I'm not talking about just one firearm, they're buying multiple firearms. When you When you look at any instructor across this country, predominantly, especially us minority instructors, most of our classes, 50 to 60% are women because women are not relying on anyone. They understand that I need to be my own first responder. And that's what we need to get the men to start doing. Take the egos out of it. You don't know it all. You have a family. You should be investing in your in, in your skill set to be able to protect your family. And I got you. But what about the brothers that, you know, they living good now. They had a rough upbringing. They, guns were something to where it was like you stay away from that. How do you address like brothers that have mental trauma but are still able to get trained? So like with what I do, and I'm going to speak for me, we have a class that we do once or twice a year with a therapist. And we're, we're pretty much my cadre, my training instructors and I, we're pretty much good at trying to identify those who have some sort of trauma and trying to help them overcome that. And I think the way we can overcome that is by speaking about it, right? Um, if you know that your trauma is so severe um, that a firearm isn't a, a benefit for you, then, hey, that's fine. But if it's not that severe, let's help you overcome that issue so that way you can be a responsible and legal gun owner. And I think it's just about recognizing and discussing my emotions, the trauma that I've been through, and then collectively trying to identify, is this something that will benefit me or not? Because if you have severe mental illness, then obviously you can't own a firearm. I enjoyed um, the conversation that you had about the firearm training. Safety, I think is highly recommended. Um, for me, I grew up around firearms. My dad was ex-military. So he was old school. We had a gun in every room in the house. And I was growing up as a kid, 
you know, I would ask the question, why you got all these guns? Why you got all these guns everywhere? He's like, well, just in case, if I'm in one room, I have access to another. Right. I have access to this. So as a young age, uh, like I say, I've been working with guns ever since I was five, six years old. But they were BB guns, pellet guns, stuff like that. And, you, you know, you kind of graduated to the to the real um, firearms. But we go out in the woods and shoot pins and target practice and stuff. So I'm very familiar with the gun, how to clean them, how to dismantle them, all of that. Um, I also was in, you know, briefing in the military, so had a little training in that. Um, and I try to keep, for me, myself, I have a couple of firearms myself, shotguns, uh, nine millimeters, uh, 380s, things like that, just to keep in the event of having that. Now, I would tell anyone, firearm safety and training is crucial. Is. When you fire a firearm, you don't shoot it. Like a lot of people think it's the moves, they try to shoot it sideways and all that kind of stuff and don't know what they're doing, hitting everybody with but the target that they're shooting at. And you, you know, that's not the proper way of shooting a gun because of the records of them. I mean, you can go all kind of ways. And, you know, I tell anyone, hey, it's, it's, I think it's very vital to have that. Even Definitely. with the shotgun that I keep, I tell anyone, if I had to put my gun out, I'm going to shoot you. I don't, I'm not going to hesitate. Now, the first round may be a beanbag I put in, just to let you know I'm not playing. But the second one's going to be an actual, um, it'll be an actual, pe uh, pe not pellet, but actual uh, yeah. round. That will that will hit you, um, but yes, I I believe in that. I mean, everyone should have it. Women especially go to the range. You know, shoot. I mean, I used to do that too. We have a range here in Huntsville. Every so often, I go out. You know, just just stay for me with the gun. At least once a month, maybe twice a month, so that I don't get you know. So you just stay for me with the you know with your with your gun, know what you're shooting, and you know the the, the, the characteristics of it. Correct. But yeah, I mean, I like I say, I applaud what you're doing. I think it's a necessary uh, training that everyone should have, at least to be familiar with it. You know, a lot of people are scared of guns, and guns is not a scary thing if you're comfortable, if you become comfortable with it. The reason why a lot of our people are scared, the the main reason that we've come across is it's the lack of knowledge, right? Right. When, when like, our teaching approach, we do a crawl, walk, run method. So I know that you're scared of guns because guess what? As a black person growing up, I was scared and terrified of guns too. Cause my right. mom, no, you, Oh no, black man with a gun or oh, you stay away from guns and this and all this stuff. So it was, that was my thought process. Guns was horrible. Mm -hmm. it was, oh, no. And guns don't apply to you. No, you don't shouldn't be carrying or owning guns. But then once I started to become educated, the fear side of it, each time, I started taking a training class each time I started manipulating a gun in a safe manner and started um, using a firearm and seeing that I can do it safely. It started taking away from that fear. So what we do is we, we take, we chip away uh, of that fear that you have by imparting knowledge. When we impart the knowledge, we have you now demonstrate the knowledge that you've just learned. You're reinstilling confidence. So we're taking away the fear. We're import, uh, imparting confidence and you're seeing the work. You're seeing the end result by you being able to simply handle the firearm and understand the firearm safety principles. Which we had more um, African-American. Um, range masters. Range masters. Range masters. That's what I'm trying to say. Range mm -hmm. masters. Yep. Um, a board to, you know, to, to show, you know, the proper use of using guns. So. Yeah, and, that, and that's what we're trying to do as well, spark that that change. Because, you know, we have people that are starting to come into 
the firearms training world. Uh, but we want people to understand that you have to invest your time into into your training before you can start going to train others. Um, right. So you can be effective, have some experience behind that, you know, so because when it comes to our people, we have to be twice as squared away to make sure that we're teaching them the right way. Because if we don't, it's a critical mistake, um, not only just them possibly losing their lives, but them ending up on the other side of the law. So mm -hmm. that's why the, the training aspect, we have to be so squared away. But when we talk about education, when we talk about gun laws, what's the biggest misconception about brothers that say, ah, I'm going to just get the gun. I don't need the education part of it. Like, what am I going to get from the education that I may not even be thinking about? Knowledge. You don't. So we think we know, but we don't know. Um, we don't understand our laws. We don't. A lot of us don't even understand our rights. Right. And I mean, really understand your rights where you can engage in a conversation, for example, with law enforcement and you know your rights and you know what to articulate, you know what to look for, you know what. You, you just know how to move around and you, you won't get boxed in by them because you actually truly comprehend your rights. Um, so learning these things, learning how to deal with law enforcement while you are armed, right? What is the protocol? What should I do? What shouldn't I do, right? Learning tactics, marksmanship. If you don't know this stuff, then you're getting a gun for what? You're getting a gun just to say, I have a gun. But when your card gets pulled and you have to effectively protect your family, you're in a mall, you're in a Walmart parking lot. You have to uh, effectively protect your family. You don't need, you don't understand about cover concealment. You don't know how to use vehicles to your to your ability to be able to dominate a violent encounter. You don't know anything about angles. You don't you don't know anything about shooting and moving because if you do go to the range, all you do is you do static shooting, which is shooting standing still. Shooting standing still and shooting moving shooting and moving are two different things. Shooting during the daytime, shooting at nighttime are two different things. So what skill set do you truly have to say that, yeah, I know how to protect my family besides you just leading with ego? Yeah, I got you, man. And I was looking you up. I see you from Brooklyn, New York, Prospect Park area. I'm from Brooklyn, New York, hey. Brownsville. My father from uh, Starlight City, for people that know Brooklyn near Queens. But I felt like my father, he was always he was always like, you know, I didn't need a gun. You know, back in his day, he had the nunchucks, like the real ones. But he said, listen, you don't need a gun. You just do some hand-to-hand -hand combat. So for brothers that are out here now, like, like what, what's your advice for that? So how we grew up, no one's fighting anymore nowadays. There's, there's no fair fights, you know? So, you know, back then we could, if you and I had beef and we really couldn't talk it out, what we do? We, we shoot the fair one and then that's it. We dap it up, keep it moving. And if we didn't dap it up, at least we knew it was dead. Like, all right, you beat me or I beat you and we keep it pushing. And that was it. It was done. I didn't have to worry about you, you know, going into your man's book bag to pull something out. And now we got a situation going on. So back then it wasn't that, that it wasn't that common. Nowadays, you can't engage in any type of physical um, encounter with anyone, especially within certain states like Florida, Texas, Georgia, you know, these gun states, people aren't fighting. People are, people are shooting. So, you know, you may not want to, fight um but if you get attacked what you you have to be able to defend yourself so i i get it you know uh but times have changed and a lot of people are carrying especially people who shouldn't be carrying and there's a lot of crime going on so you know you have to be able to 
be proactive. This is a game of, of chess and too many of us are playing checkers. So we got to be able to be proactive and think long-term. Like you may not be involved in none, but you never know when it's going to be your time because you don't choose the time. The suspect chooses the time. You getting up, going to Publix or you're going to the mall to go do whatever. And then they decide to run up on you and commit an armed robbery. All right, it's go time. Now, how do you respond? You're also a news contributor. Explain that to us. So I've done a few stories um, on, on the media, different news channels, and then also different podcasts I've been on, just like I'm on this one here. Again, thank you for that. Um, just discussing laws and firearms, um, deadly force encounters, discussing what people should be doing, shouldn't be doing, uh, uh, looking at situations as far as, all right, there was a use of force. Was this use of force justified? How was it justified? Or if it wasn't justified, explain the reasons why it wasn't justified. So, and that, and that all comes down to education and training. So being able to pass that knowledge on and have discussions about that, because the more discussions we have, the more information we're sharing in the roundhouse table, we're imparting knowledge into each other. And that knowledge may be the difference between life and death. Great information, man. First off, you enjoying yourself on Black Men Sundays? Yeah, definitely, man. I appreciate it. A B- bunch of black men having a discussion here, something that's very important to our community. So yeah, definitely. For some professional training, I want you to train me. If brothers listening saying, Chris, Lusan, I want you to train me. How much money do I need and how can we contact you? So you can reach out to me on my website at www.ftac.training.com um, or you can just uh, put in FTAC training on like Facebook or Instagram and you'll see all my training videos. And you can reach out to me there um, or directly at 407-364-0483. And as far as how much it would cost for training, it kind of varies, but the starting point where we're going to be starting at is about 150 bucks. Um, and then we work our way up. Like if you're new, um, intermediate, that's going to be around that price, uh, maybe a little bit more depending on what we're doing. And then it start, it scales up. Like if we're doing nighttime um, tactics and stuff like that, that's going to be a little bit more. Um, we're doing pistol marksmanship. That's going to be a little bit more. We're doing dynamic shooting. That's going to be a little bit more. Or if we're doing family training sessions where you say, you know what? I want to bring my whole family out because we have our VIP clients who do that. You know, they take training very seriously. And what they do is they say, you know what? Yes, I'm going to train, but I also want to do training sessions with my family. So they'll bring out the kids and we'll do a safety plan with the kids and the family. Um, the kids of the youngest child I've had shoot on my range was four years old. Um, we educate them and we help them in a safe controlled environment. Let's take the curiosity factor out. Uh, so we teach the kids depending on their age, we'll dictate the tactics that we're going to be teaching them because the reality is if you're at home and someone kicks in the door, I'm wrestling with the subject. My 14 year old daughter who knows how to use a firearm, she's going to be my backup if she's doing it in the home. She can go grab that firearm and she knows what to do because I've, I've, I've been training with her. And we do that with families so that way they know how to respond to a violent encounter collectively and also individually. So the family training session is going to be more because you have the family out we're running tactics and drills and knowledge and you know training on laws. So it just kind of varies. But usually it's going to be $150, the starting price, and then, and then it goes up. All right. Now, you know, this is going to be controversial, but I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm me too. I mean, no, but listen, though, man, you said a four-year-old. Mm-hmm. Now, we're we talking about a black household, right? Black household. My mom going to be like, what you doing? She going to try to 
kick them, nunchuck them, fight them. But hey, go get your room and close that door, boy. Yeah. And you're talking about you're training people. So that's where I feel like, because we talk about generational wealth, but there is no way I'm going to say my five-year-old, my six-year-old, my 10-year-old is touching the gun. He ain't touching none of that. So how can we, I mean, so my, from my, with your expertise, man, I don't even know how to ask this question, but go ahead. I see where you're going with it. How do we get there? What do we do? Why are we doing that? For example, the reality is this. Our black kids, our black youth are coming across firearms when we are not present. If you just look at the statistics, firearms is one of the top five leading causes of deaths or great bodily harm for our youth, specifically our kids, right? Now let's break it down even further. In Florida alone, Florida is, is a gun state. They call it the gunshine state for a reason. It's at a higher rate, top three. So why are we not educating our kids on what to do, what not to do? We have fire drills. Like when we went to school, it was what? Stop, drop, and roll. What to do with a fire when a fire happens, right? Fire drills. We, we consistently did that. 20, 30 years later, I still know it. It's still stop, drop, and roll, right? It's been embedded into me. Why are we not having this discussion with our kids? teaching them about firearms, the pros and cons. Why we're not showing them how I do it is we we do problem resolution, right? A firearm is not used because you got beef with someone, right? We teach them effectively what a firearm is for and what, and what it's not for. Then we actually have them shoot. So the curiosity factor is being taken out. Then we teach them how to be a leader. If you come across a firearm in school or with your friends, what you should do and what you shouldn't do. So that way you can not only try to save your life, but the life of those that are involved. These are things that, these are the discussions, these are the trainings that our kids need because why are they coming across it? And when they come across it without the proper training, it's just a negative, it's just a bad situation that's gonna happen. Someone's gonna get shot and or killed. How do we minimize that with training? All right, now I know some parents gonna be losing it hearing this. So for the parents out there, oh my gosh, I don't want my son touching a gun. I don't, from an educational perspective what do you want to tell the parents that are listening that are saying you know what i i hear you chris but he ain't touching nothing until he's a grown man until he's you know able to till he's 21 like what do you want to say to because i see it man I, I i see what you're saying but in our community man it's like and 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 i'm gonna call it for what it is it's ignorance straight up because you know what when you know and you look at the data and you see our young kids are coming across firearms in schools at a high rate, right? Why are we not willing to at least have a discussion with them about it? I get, you don't want them to shoot, that's fine. I have some kids that haven't shot, but you know what? At least come to the class and get educated. They don't have to shoot, but let's have the discussion. Let's challenge their way of thinking and help change that, right? Let's address the, the issues within our culture. What you shouldn't do, what you should be doing, right? For example, a lot of these kids, before these shootings happen in these schools, before something happens, like someone gets hurt, they know who has the gun, um, where the gun is at. They've seen the gun more than one time. And you know what the leading thing is? Why these kids don't say anything? Because they don't want to be labeled as a snitch. So when you know that, now I know how to combat that. How do I combat that? When you come to my class, I teach you methods and I challenge you. And I put these kids in situations where at the end, you know what they all say? Like, wow, I didn't even realize that. Because I know the approach that I need to take for them to understand the bigger picture. And then they realize, well, I'm not snitching. I'm being a protector. I'm looking out for my friend. That's my best friend. I care about him. I'm not snitching. I'm just making sure he's safe because he doesn't know what to do with that tool that he has in his possession. And if I don't say anything to protect him, 
I'm going to be complicit if he gets hurt. And how is that going to weigh on my emotions? How is that going to make me feel that I could have saved his life and I didn't because I chose to stay quiet? So when we have these discussions at the table, you'd be surprised at how these kids start changing. What they first start saying in the beginning and at the end, they realize the bigger picture. And they're like, oh, well, it's not stitching. It's me looking out. Like, I got to protect him. He may not be, his intent may not be to hurt anyone, but you have to understand that he's in possession of something that he knows nothing of. And it's going to lead to either him or someone else getting hurt. So it needs to be stopped right away. And how do we stop it? We notify a teacher. And how do we notify a teacher? We go into all of that. So it's not all about just shooting. It's about the discussion, the education, the educational piece. The shooting is just a plus. Okay. Great. Hey, man, great information, man. Chris Lusant, thanks for coming on Black Men Sundays. Thanks for spending time with us this Sunday, man. I want to link up with you. Oh, my last question before I forget. For brothers and sisters that say, but I don't have anything to shoot with if I come to your range. I'm new. I've never shot before. Do you already have guns available or do it? Or do they need to purchase that before they can come? Yeah, I have that available for those who don't have a firearm, firearms and ammo and all that stuff. Uh, so that's available for those who need it when they're coming out to train. Definitely. Because we know that so, a lot of people in our community don't have that, right? They they want to go in. They want to take some training. But then they know that I don't have a firearm. And then they just say, you know what? Because I don't have a firearm, I'm not going to take the class. Or I'm not going to take any type of training when you don't need a firearm because we provide it for you if you don't have any. For brothers that say, man, I, I hear that, man. I hear Chris Lusant, man. I hear him. I feel him. But, man, I don't want no guns in my house. I got sons. I got daughters. I might be the Black Brady Bunch, but you don't know that. I don't want a gun in my house. I've seen news stories. You know, I'm a news photojournalist. You've seen the stories where the kid went in daddy's closet, shot himself up, shot his eye out. You hear all of that. So if a lot of single sisters that are like, nah, man, I don't want my son doing none of that. I'd rather just lock us in the room, let the ADT alarm go off, and we just going to hold each other and pray till the police come. Uh, I'm going to say I got I got two different responses that I'll say. Number one, yes, you, can, you if you choose not to get a firearm, that's fine. And wait on, the long, wait on law enforcement, that's fine. Average law enforcement response time in this country right now uh, for 2023 was 14 and a half minutes. A lot can happen in 14 and a half minutes. So with that being said, if you choose to get a firearm, that means you can instantly protect yourself and your child, right? Now, yes, you have kids in the household. That's why we have gun locks, gun safes. And that's why training is so imperative. The reason why when people say these stuff about the kids getting access to the guns, why kids get access to the guns is because of negligence. Does the adults in the household are not properly trained themselves. They're negligent by leaving the firearms accessible to these kids. And then curiosity kills the cat. These kids now gain possession of the firearm and they do what kids do, which is stupid stuff. If you are an educated person and you follow safety principles, there's no way that this situation is ever going to happen to you. It only happens when you break one or more of these principles and then the end result is death or great bodily harm. And it's all about negligence. So if you're not a neg ne negligent gun owner, you're responsible and you do your due diligence, you don't have to worry about any of that. But when you don't do your due diligence, that's when these situations occur. So if you get trained and you, you're consistent and you invest in your training, you don't have anything to worry about. And then at some point when you deem that that child is right, 
is good enough for it, then maybe you can start introducing just some safety habits and just a basic firearm safety to that child for that child to understand that this is a tool. It is not a toy. You don't play around with it and you don't touch it. I got one last question because I, I just can hear some of my brothers. We don't need no gun, man. We educated. We got these nice homes. We got the wife making money. Our kids are good. We live in a nice community. We haven't had crime in here in like 20 years. The neighbors look out for each other. We're safe. We, I feel like a gun is going to create problems in my household. Then, you know, and we have people who are like that. But you have to understand you're living good, driving good, eating good. There are people on the other side of the fence that aren't living good, that aren't driving good, aren't eating good. And you are a prime target. So I want to take what you have. I'm not willing to work for it, but I'm going to I'm going to I want to run up in your house and take what you have. And I will do it at all costs. So how do you combat that? So, yeah, you're eating good, you're living good, but they're dedicated to taking what you have at all costs. And yet you haven't done anything to protect yourself. Yeah, you got an alarm system, you got a gate, you got it, even if you got a dog, because guess what? Two armed, two armed people come to your house, you got a dog. All right, I put one in the dog, now the dog is down. Now what's left? Alarm system, by the time it notifies law enforcement, you don't know what the response time is gonna be. So what else is left? We kick in your door, what else is left? You have a knife, I have a gun. How is that even? But if you have a gun, I have a gun, but yet I have more skills and more training than you. Guess who, who has a greater chance at dominating that encounter? And that's what I just tell people, you know, it's your life, your choice, but understand just because you're living good does not mean you are untouchable. You are at the top percentile. Why? Because you're driving that nice car. You know, while we are out, we see you, we see you driving that car, man, we want that car. So we're going to take it. So we're going to follow you home. And because you're not paying attention, you don't anything about situation awareness, you don't know how to identify when someone's tailing you, right? So now you drive to your home. Guess what? Now we know where you live. We're like, man, he got a nice crib. You know what? We may not come back tonight. We're not going to hit him tonight. We're going to watch him for a couple of days because those who are really smart and been around, been in the system, that's what they do. They, they do their surveillance, right? They're counterintelligence. So they watch what's going on, watch your movement and do all that. And then they know when to hit. And what are you, what are you, what are you going to do as a provider and protector? As a man of the house, you get victimized. How do you feel? How do you think your wife's going to look at you? These are things that you need to think about that you could have protected us, but you chose not to because you didn't want to have a gun because you didn't believe in guns. But yet we got two guys that came in and victimized us. Your family's probably never going to be the same. More than likely, you're probably going to lose your family because we've seen it happen. Wow. So these wow. are real life things that within our community, we have to have these discussions because guess what? These discussions are going on in the white communities. That's why they take guns so seriously. That's why they spend their money on training and they will always spend their money on training because number family is the lifeline. They want to be able to protect their family and we should be doing the same. Well, there you have it, man. Chris Lusson, FTAC, firearm, tactic, and communications expert. This brother has his own gun range. Chris Lusson, thank you for coming on Black Man Sundays. I appreciate you. It's a Black Man Sunday.